You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to Off the Bench for Kubota diesel generators, for serious backup power, and first choice liquor for all your liquor needs. Yes, indeed. Welcome back off the bench. Uh, I do say welcome back because another working week just flies by the wayside. Round 20 in the National Rugby League. We are certainly getting to the business end of the season. Thanks to Kubota diesel generators for serious backup power. And also first choice liquor. I welcome this man back to the program. He had the week off last week. Badge Gary Belcher filling in uh, with great aplomb. But Scotty Sattler, good to see you, mate. Uh, another big weekend awaits us. Yeah, another big weekend and a big week that we've also had, Benny, we must say, in rugby league. Again, uh, the week and the headlines has no. basically been filled <laughs> with uh, controversy and uh, negative I suppose a negative outlook towards rugby league. This is the referees. This is All the on the back of the official. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's something we don't want to continue reading about. It's also something we don't want to keep discussing and talking about. And and we're also all trying to be conscious of not to blame the referees because it is such a, a hard job, a difficult job, and they're not going to get everything right. But, yeah, it's been a, a really intriguing week uh, of rugby league. Because the footy's been great, and it's probably the yeah. one thing that gets lost in the wash-up. Last week threw up some amazing results, a couple of one-sided blowouts, but for the most part, um, some really tight, contested games and you're up we're not talking about them enough but we'll try and change that uh, narrative as far as off the bench is concerned of course it's been a big week uh, and and a nostalgic week because retro round which is sort of the brainchild of, of fox fox sports who get right on board with this and- have they done this well because everyone has the perception that this is the nrl's retro <laughs> exactly. round but actually fox sports have you know, advertised NRL owe them a few royalties perhaps and promoted this yeah. beautifully yep yep no they have so I'm going to get your thoughts because you of course played through uh, a large chunk of the 90s and were an avid follower of the game throughout the entirety of the 90s and we'll get some of your uh, your memories and, and moments from that very soon and of course through the week we caught up with one of the great names of the 90s one of the great names in the history of rugby league in Steve Renoff so we'll we'll replay that chat as well because uh, yeah, he took us back to those days when well the Broncos uh, and we're going to talk about them shortly as far as their win uh, last night. How how dominant were they through that period? 92, 93, back-to-back premiers, uh, first back-to-back premiers, and sorry, the last back-to-back premiers, I should say. Yep. His try in the 92 grand final, one of the greatest tries you'll see in, in a big game, but also the 97 grand final, the Super League grand final against well, the Cronulla. Was on. Yeah, of course. He scored, he scored three tries that night, just an amazing athlete, an amazing athlete, um, diagnosed as a diabetic very early yeah. on in his life, and... And when there wasn't a lot of awareness around diabetes, you know, the struggles that he had to go through to play each week was quite amazing. He's a, he's a great human, Steve Renoff. Yeah, well, that chat's coming up for you shortly. Uh, for those of you who would have or may have missed it through the week on Sports Day, we'll have a great debate, a Makita Power Player, a driver's seat update, and also get Sats tips for the remainder of Round 20. So as you can see, it's a big hour ahead. Without any further ado, we need to rip in. And we are going to start with a discussion uh, around retro round uh, and we're doing it for Kubota diesel generators and also first choice liquor so Sats as I said you were there throughout the entirety of it either as a player 
or an avid follower, what was your favourite moment? Uh, whether it's your playing career or it's just something outside of that from the decade that was the 90s. I think the 90s was my most enjoyable decade, not because I played in it, but just to watch it from a fan. And I'd like to add 89 into that, just at the back end yeah. of the 80s. I just thought it was some of the most open rugby league we've ever seen. Um, we saw four teams. Whoever thought that four teams – we're talking about expansion rugby league right now, mm. and we're thinking about bringing in one team, maybe two. Is it too much of a risk? In 1995, the ARL back there, not the NRL, they brought in four new teams yep. into one competition, which is unheard of. Yeah, just like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it did. It, it It ran very smoothly until Super League, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. But so many great moments throughout the 90s. And to try and, try and nail them, Steve Renoff's try was one of my, mm. my favourite memories of, of the 90s. But the Darren Albert try in 1997, yep. probably my favourite moment. It's a moment where I can still remember where I exactly was like when you hear some big news when Lady Di announced that she'd passed away, those sorts of things. I was, yeah. I remember where I was, and I remembered the moment because it was a split year. It was a Super League yep. ARL year. Both competitions were trying to flex their muscle and who was going to have the biggest grand final. I think 97 is still today regarded as one of the, the great grand finals. Uh, there was Spud versus Paul Harrigan. Um, that matchup was always uh, really entertaining. Um, there was... Andrew Johns, who was not supposed to play because he punctured mm. his lung from a, a, a needle, a, a local anaesthetic for a broken rib injury That's that right. went into his, his lung the, day, the week before. And they said, if you're playing the grand final, quite simply, you could die. Mm. And he said, well, there's no better place to die than on, in a grand final. He played a pivotal role, obviously, in that try in Set the dying winning seconds. winning try, just yep. uh, an amazing effort. So um, my favourite moment was the 97 grand final, I think, without yep. a doubt. There's still a lot of arguments that saying that you really can't count that as a, a true premier because they didn't play against the rest mm. of the competition. Also, the Broncos beating the Sharks in the Super League grand final. So when the competitions came back together in 1998, that's when everyone started to yep. think, well, who are the true champions? Mm. Um, but without a doubt, that 97 moment still is etched in my mind as one of the, my f- most favourite memories in 1990s. Yeah, wander yeah. into Newcastle and tell them that one didn't count and see, yeah, how, exactly. uh, see if you can get out of the town alive. Uh, this would be a tough one, I imagine, because there would be a stack of names probably at the top of your mind. But your favourite player, in fact, I'll be kind to you here, Sats, because yeah. I won't make you narrow it down to one. If you've got a couple, favorite feel player. free. Yeah, four favourite players. Alfie's up there. Yeah. Um, see, Mal was my favourite player of all time, but he played a lot of his career through the 80s. Yeah, finished up with 94. 94, finished yep. up with yep. the Kangaroo Tour. So yep. you have to throw him into the mix. Yeah. But throughout the whole 90s, without a doubt, Bradley Clyde. Yeah. Because I played the same position, everyone tried to emulate Bradley Clyde. He really changed the way that lock forwards played the game. Um, and still is not discussed when they talk about Raper and Coot and these great lock forwards, these mm. great forwards of all time. He's, he's never discussed in, in the same conversations, and he should be because he was an amazing player, terrible to play against, mm-hmm. just really, really difficult to play against, uh, and also Laurie Daly. I yep. always thought Laurie Daly was the most difficult player to play against just to try and defend, and when you were around at him as well, he just used to cut you in half. <laughs> he was always really aggressive and physical, but those two players in the 90s, without a doubt, yeah. And being a being an avid not a an avid Ra- Raiders supporter, but being a Queensland kid and knowing that all the Queensland kids used to go down to Canberra and play mm. and make these great careers by playing for the Raiders, you then fell in love with the other players that played there also, like your Dailies and your and your Clydes. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, there's got to be a villain in every decade. There's got to be a few of them, in fact, uh, for all the. 
the great names and the players we just love, there's always that one you love to hate. Uh, was there one that sticks out for you from the 90s? Now, there's the favourite villain, and yep. I use villain differently. Yeah. I, now, know. there's yeah. there's an actual villain. John Hoppawati was the biggest villain. Yeah. Whenever you played against him, you just knew he was going to try and drag you down into a, a world that you don't <laughs> often step <laughs> well, foot you into. you don't ever want to be. Exactly. In, yeah. and, and he takes you to a place where he actually – he takes you out of your comfort zone. And if you're not a sledger, you start trying to sledge him, and then you lose that battle. Yeah. And, and you know he can fight with his fists, so you're not going to try and take him on there as well. But, and, the, but then there's the other type of a villain, and I think I know what you're referring to here, the one that, that – it goes so close to the line of, of what's unacceptable in yep. sport. But in doing so, from afar, you look at them, and they might be on the opposition. They may even be a teammate, but you go, jeez, I love the bloke. I love the way he wears his heart on his sleeve, yeah, that Paul, he would die for his team. Paul Chief Harrigan. So that was the one for you. Yeah. yeah. When you talk about villain, and I mean that with the utmost respect, yeah, Paul Harrigan was a guy really, that yeah. he, he ran right on the red line yeah. every week. Yeah. Uh, when he was playing in the 97 grand final, the morning of the game, he said to the team, follow me. And do what I do because no one gets sent off in a grand <laughs> final. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, I loved Paul Harrigan. I loved playing against Paul Harrigan because he challenged you. Yeah, and so he did play a villain in the sense that if you did challenge him, uh, he just used to embrace the battle. Yeah, and he, yeah. if you want to play dirty, Let's he'd go, play dirty. Man. If you want to play clean, yeah. he'd play clean. But he was an amazing athlete when he when he. He first started off as a winger, mm. and then in '92 he played in a city country match and just exploded onto the world scene and just became one of the, the real great front rows of the modern era. A lot of them through the '90s, but what was the biggest story? I think you probably referred to it earlier yeah. when talking '97. Probably the two biggest stories of of the '90s was one would be the Broncos taking the premiership away from Sydney. Mm-hmm. That was huge news. Yep. Um, in 92. I know Canberra did it, but Canberra was always still regarded as yeah. a Sydney side outer region suburb. Uh, but taking it away from from Sydney was it was a huge thing uh, for the rugby league. Um, but without a doubt the two biggest stories I believe were the 95 Origin series. That's oh, when yeah, Super League yeah. broke. Yep. Super League wasn't until 1997, the actual split in the competition, but 95 is when players started signing contracts. Yep. So when all the Broncos players, the Canberra players, the Bulldog players, when they all signed Super League contracts, all those great players, Stuart Daly, Meninga, mm. all the, uh, Meninga had finished, but Stuart Daly, Clyde, um, all those great players, uh, Langer, Chris Johns, uh, Wendell Saylor, all those players, Darren Lockyer, they weren't allowed to play Origin yep. in 1995. So New South Wales picked a side that had 11 internationals. Queensland picked a side of guys that had played five, six, seven first-grade games in their career. Sort of unknown. People yeah. had never ever heard yeah. of them. Yep. And they put and then they put this bloke in called Fatty Vorton as the coach, which everyone thought was a joke. Mm-hmm. And they went on and won the series 3-0. Yeah. It was one of the, the great battler stories. And then without a doubt, the biggest story of all time is the split in the competition. Yeah. Super League, it, it not only broke the game in two, it broke friendships as well, mm. and friendships to to this day still where people will not acknowledge each other in the same room. And it's a shame that that time can't heal all wounds because the friendships and the loyalties that it broke also were based around money as well. Yeah, and, and what we saw it was kind of in the same administrative vein as what happened with World Series cricket. Yeah, how that split a lot of people apart, a lot of friendships, uh, a lot of bonds, a lot of a lot of sort of traditionalists to the new age, but what it has done in the years that have followed. And you look at where cricket is now and things like T20, it would never have happened without the foresight of, of, of a bloke like Kerry Packer. And I guess you could argue where the NRL stands right now. It would look vastly different 
had this not happened in the night. Well, you, you just took the words out of my mouth, Benny. Even though I was a staunch ARL man, I remember saying to my dad, I've, had, I've got this offer from Super League and ARL, but I'll, I'm going to take the ARL one. I've signed the ARL one. Yep. And he said, what did you do that for? I said, oh, because you're an ARL man. Like, traditional. You're a, a traditionalist. Yeah, 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 he goes, yep. no, mate, no, you only get one chance to make yeah. as much money as possible. You should have oh. gone to Super League. I mm. went, no, no, I was happy with my my position and my decision, but one thing Super League did do is it, it shook the cage of the game that well, it needed shaking. Raised the bar of professionalism. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. It turned rugby union professional Super yep. League because they knew that players were going to get stolen. So yeah, they had to turn yeah. rugby union yeah. professional. So in a way that um, Super League is something that the game needed, it was just the way that it was handled that was unfortunate. All right. Well, through the week, we caught up with one of the uh, big names of the 90s, as Sat said, he threw in plenty of highlights, almost on a weekly basis with the Brisbane Broncos. Of course, not only that, he was a state rep. He was a national rep named in the Indigenous team of the century as well and just regarded as one of the game's greatest ever centres. The man I refer to is, of course, Steve Renoff, and we caught up with him through the week to get some of his memories of the decade that was the 90s. Langer away for Renoff. Renoff, we haven't seen much of him today. Now take a look at him as he crosses the halfway. They won't catch him. He's heading for the corner and he's over. Renoff Makes it 22 points to four. Fair to say when this man got the legs pumping, no one was catching him. Uh, One of the greats throughout the 90s. And we are, of course, looking back for retro round uh, 183 games of the Brisbane Broncos. The lazy four premierships, if you don't mind. Queensland, Aussie rep, Indigenous team of the century as well. Just one of the game's greatest ever centres. Steve Renoff joins us uh, on the program. Steve, welcome. Great to have you on board. Hey, boys. Thanks for having me. Seems like a long time ago, Pearl, doesn't it? The the nineties and talking about it this week. Does it feel like you've been retired for a fair while? Yeah, it, it, well, you know what it's like, boys. It's uh, like it happened yesterday, but yeah, you know, you sort of you look back and, and you know we we're, we're celebrating thirty years this year, the Brisbane Broncos. So yeah, it's been a while. And I, I see you're still running around though. I've seen in some uh, legends games and still. Looking like you're in. He in takes it seriously. I might add, might add. <laughs> As did you, Sats. Come on. Well, you got to. You got to. If you don't, you get hurt. Yes, exactly. Hey, um, those premiership days with the, and, and I've got to mention as well. You you were named uh, in the NRL team of the nineties yeah. uh, as well. So that's uh, why I thought it'd be appropriate having a chat to you, Pearl. Um, Broncos winning premierships started in ninety two, ninety three, of course. Uh, against the Dragons, a couple more late in the 90s. I want to ask you how influential a couple of blokes that had already been there, done that, were Kevy Walters and Glenn Lazarus. Yeah, look, I, I think um, we, we sort of very open about that. Um, you know, when those boys come up from Canberra, um, you know, massive influence. Obviously, Kevy had, uh, you know, made my curve, a big, steep curve uh, to ascend um, with him there. Um, with the play... A lot of the plays that I, uh, obviously a lot of the tries came off Kevin. Um, Glenn Lazarus was amazing. Um, you know, he, he sort of doesn't get the raps that he deserves. Um, he really changed the way we played with our forwards. He he was like the, the new age forward and we're very, very lucky to have him. And, um, you know, watching him um, take a ball from the kickoff uh, was amazing. Um, and, you know, just, just the work he did in the game. Amazing times back then because I believe you and... You and Johnsy would have actually played inside and outside centre sometimes. Like it wasn't always centre aside. Crazy game. Yeah, well that's right. Early early days still would have been centre aside, and 
you know, was sort of a bit uh, foreign to us when we, we got told we got to play over the side. And, um, you know, so I was always a left centre at the club and then Johnsy was on the right, at, you know, in the early days. And But, you know, it was something that we adjusted with. And, you know, as I said before, I had Kevy on my side most of the time. You know, defensively, uh, you know, we were very questionable. But, <laughs> but attack-wise, we, we made it up with our attack. Hey, um, Pearl... A big part of the 90s also, as we look back a retro around this weekend, was, of course, those ugly two-word Super League. Ugly to only those people like me who yeah. didn't sign with Super League and missed out <laughs> on all the money. But what can you remember of Super League when it first was touted through 95? What was your recollection? Yeah. Well, look, you know, go back to really early days. I can still remember sitting at a hotel down at um, Illawarra. We were playing there. And this is prior to it, the night before, and we are having dinner. And after dinner, there was still a few of us sitting around the table and John Rebo um, came over and virtually said, you know, you know, just sort of sound us out, you know, what would you boys think if, you know, if there was another league and, you know, they paid you three times what you're on now and blah, 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 and he went around the table and we were just going, yeah, <laughs> we'd be pretty happy with that, Reeves. And that that was early talks around that. But um, then when it all started, it was all obviously very, very exciting. But to, to be brutally honest, it was very draining. I found it very draining by the end. Um, I didn't really like what it did to the league, apart from the fact that it opened up the coffers and, um, you know, and the boys, you know, got, you know, still to this day, uh, get paid really good money. I think Super League did change that side of it, but, um, you know, it, it was, I, I found it very personally draining. Now, we talk about some of the greatest players in the, in the 90s. One of those is your former teammate, just spoke about him, Alan Langer. Now, we've spoken about some of the stories, Pearl throughout Alfie's career and the vomiting before games. Now, <laughs> is it true or false that if he vomited before a game due to nerves, you knew that Alf was on? Yeah, look, exactly right. And, you know, if he didn't, we thought, oh, God, you know, who's going who's gonna to pick up for Alf? But, and, and the funny thing for Alf, I always sat beside him, so I copped it. And I was like, oh, here we go again. So, yeah, and, and by the time he's sort of, he's dry reaching, so there's nothing left there in his tummy. He just... <laughs> He's just he's just dry reaching, but um, you know when he did it, we all accepted it, and uh, we knew that he was on his game. That's a that's a true story. Yeah, I've grown back the mo this week, Pearl. Have you let your mullet grow a bit longer for <laughs> to take you back to the nineties? Oh mate, wasn't that wasn't that a ma- magic mullet? It was um, <laughs> flowing you know, locks. Was, uh, used to flow out of the bottom of the headgear. That's how long. I think Ricky Walford tripped over it when you made that run for that grand final <laughs> yeah, try. That's right. It was. Uh, did you ever tape the hair back? Did you ever do what Ciro and oh, just so no, many players at times put the tape Terry around Hensley, no. around the head? <laughs> no, not at all, mate. Because I always had the obviously always had the headgear, so that sort of kept it intact. And you know, and I didn't have to do what. Uh, this is another true story. A lot of the boys, when we had a um, a TV match, you probably did it too, boys. You um, going they'd go and get the haircut before the TV match. Yep. And so a few of the boys used that, and I didn't have to worry about that because I had my head gear. See, that's it. What's about the 90s, too? Not every game was a TV game. No, it wasn't. And if no. you were lucky, there was a couple no. of week, and if you got the yeah, you got the TV game, okay, you had to spruce yourself up and beautiful. See, that's another area, Pearl, where we don't see a lot of headgears worn these days. Now, your headgear, again, was synonymous with Steve Renoff. Did you wear the headgear when you came into grade because you're a skinny little fella from Mergen? <laughs> Or And did it just become part of your preparation and part of your kit bag, or was it a confidence thing that you had to wear the headgear? Yeah, no, I, I, I actually had to wear that because I, um, I got concussed and, and put in hospital when I was 14. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I had to uh, wear that. My mum made me wear it. She said, if you don't wear it, she actually bought me one and said, you're not playing anymore. So I said, okay. <laughs> 
So not that it really helped, but I got plenty more concussions after it. But it was just it just ended up being a confidence thing, I think, in the end. So even in first grade, you said, "Mum, can I stop wearing it?" No, no. I played a hundred <laughs> no, games. No. no. You still got to wear she it, Steve. She definitely picked. She, she definitely picked up on me. If I, if I ran out there, she'd probably run down the sideline and tell Wayne to make sure I put it on. Hey, um, Pearl. One of my fondest memories of the nineties um, was the ninety two World Cup. Correct me if I'm wrong. And you know where I'm, I'm going to with this. You had some great yeah. memories in the Broncos jersey, but that try you scored in the World Cup final, and it was, again off one of those what they call out balls off off Kevy Walters. Yeah. It just became. It just became um, a partnership between you and Kevy that just was it just flowed into the into the next day each game, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And you know that's what um, that was just something we had. And you, you know, you go back there historically, really want to do that the out ball, and um, you know, yeah. So um, yeah, he didn't. I, I didn't really want to do that out ball, and um, I mean, Kevy virtually. If you look at the footage, he actually uh, forced me into it. But anyway, I ended up scoring a try out, which no, was great. Nice. <laughs> How did the Broncos celebrate? when you used to, you know, not just grand finals, but whenever you had a win. Do you think it was much different than what they do today? Was it was party central? Um, look, I'll be honest with you. I actually talked to Kevy and Hojo about that last night. Um, we were on a plane back from Sydney. And um, to be honest, yeah, it was very, it's very, very different. Um, you know, because Hojo's obviously crossed that line with, with the modern-day footballer. And he, he, we sort of tell him stories. He said, you know, that doesn't happen these days. And obviously Kevy knows that as well. And... You know, I think we were very lucky back in the day that um, there was no mobile phones around back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a good time there because you could, yeah, you could get up to a little bit of mischief. Hey, I just want to, just, just the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, Pearl, was the, there's always talk about the old days and people say bring back the Biff. And there was enough around when we were playing and you were playing that uh, you had to be, you had to be a little bit careful with certain blokes. I know there were some good brawlers at the Broncos like, like Gordy could throw them and, and Gavin Allen. Do any others come to mind, or maybe from other teams that you'd you'd keep an Campo? eye on? Oh, well, yeah, Campo. He could he could actually uh, yeah throw a few. You can ask Shane Webkey that. I think. <laughs> they, yeah. um, hey, but the one guy I do remember, and you remember a match. I think they were, uh, Cronulla were playing St George and Les Davison, oh. and I think he actually put Steve-O and um, he did. I think it Jason might have, Stevens. Uh, yeah, and and then the hooker. Um, oh, sorry, what, sorry. He coaches uh, Newcastle now. Yeah, sorry, Nathan Brown. Yeah, Nathan Brown. I think he actually sat them both. He did with one punch each, one after another, and they virtually <laughs> crumbled. It was just amazing. Steve, we really appreciate your time here on Sports Day. A little bit of a walk down memory lane as we look back on some of the great things and some of the less so great things from the nineteen nineties. All part of retro round, uh, mate. Again, thank you for your time on the program, and um, we look forward to chatting to you again down the track. No worries. Thanks, boys. Off the bench for Kubota diesel generators and first choice liquor. This is Off the Bench for first choice liquor and Kubota for serious backup power. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Great to have your company. Hope you're enjoying the program, enjoying uh, the weekend thus far of all things NRL. And very soon we're going to launch into our Thursday night review. But we are here thanks to Kubota. Diesel generators for serious backup power and first choice liquor for all your liquor needs. Benny Jones, Scotty Sattler with you. Let's get into it and let's recap uh, what was an important win for the Broncos. Let's get an NRL update for 7-Eleven. Tackle your lunchtime hunger at 7-Eleven. Good call. Yeah, new Krispy Kreme Hershey's cookie and cream donuts. They are delicious and available now at 7-Eleven. 
Good call. It was tight. It was tough. It was tense. Surprisingly, a little more controversy thrown into the mix as well. But at Suncorp Stadium, it was the Broncos, Scotty Sattler, who prevailed. Uh, Huge win for them. Uh, Huge is probably an understatement. 12 points to 10 over the Sharks. Looked early days as though we were going to get a points fest, but... I think from the 48-minute mark uh, when the Broncos went ahead, there were no more scores for the remainder of the game. And, boy, they had to hang on and hang on tough, they did. Yeah, they did. It was a semi-final-type atmosphere. A a great game. A lot of mistakes in the game, funnily enough. Yeah. Because both sides, especially the Broncos, they they play a very disciplined game. They don't care whether you, historically, if you want to try and score 20 or 30, they'll go toe-to-toe with you. If you want to try and get down in the trenches, roll your Mm. sleeves up, They'll do that as well. And it's exactly the way this game was always going to pan out. Playing against the Sharks, a side that uh, have got a lot of uh, niggling tactics. Um, they've got a really tough forward pack and a tough mentality. Their coach has got a tough mentality as well. It bleeds down through the playing group. So you knew this game was always going to be hotly contested from a defensive point of view, and that's the way that it panned out. But as I said, it was a finals-type atmosphere. Yeah, uh, It was tough. Uh, it was tense. There were some moments in the game that, both sides are going to look back on, especially the the Cronulla Sharks, and saying, "Hey, that's a missed opportunity, or that's a a lack of concentration that's possibly cost them the opportunity to win." So, um, Anthony Milford, absolutely outstanding, his mm. control of the game, especially defensively for a small man. Big tackle on Luke Lewis that I think was a real game changer yeah. for the Broncos, one on one, right on the try line, and. Also, Big Matt Lodge coming off the bench was outstanding as well. Battle of the Buddies, as we said, Fafita versus Lodge. Uh, Lodge going over in the first half. Actually bounced off Andrew Fafita to cross uh, to uh, give the Broncos an early advantage. How did you assess? I mean, uh, there's a lot of uh, little bit of banter, I suppose, in the in the build-up to when these two meet. But um, who, who took the points? Lodge took the bragging rights, yep. uh, without a doubt. He was outstanding. Coming off the bench, and it's worked two weeks in a row now. And unfortunately for Matt Lodge, that's how it's going to continue. Mm. But as a player, you want to... You want to be in that first tackle of the yeah. game or that first hit up, and so that would be hurting Matt Lodge, and he's doing everything he can to get back in the starting team. But while they keep winning, he's going to stay on the interchange bench. Mm. But when he came on, there was a, a huge improvement, a huge spike in the in the Brisbane Broncos uh, by having that big man. But yeah, you're right; he ran straight over the top of Andrew Fafita to score under the goalposts. And um, Andrew Fafita, although he had a he had a busy night. He also, you could tell by his efforts, he went into the game a little bit underdone. From all reports, he had a, a stomach sickness, a stomach bug. Yeah. Left the field and wasn't going to return, but knew the tightness of the match and straight away. Mm. He grabbed the ball grip and started spraying it and got out there as quick as he could for the final 10 or 12 minutes to try and change the fortunes of his side. But yep. yeah, Matt Lodge, outstanding. Just continues to keep improving in his first year back in the NRL. Valentine Holmes uh, scoring again last night. He got, yeah. With that try, the goes to the top of the meat pies list. Well, he's the f- it's the first time he's ever scored against the Brisbane Broncos as, uh-huh. well, as well. So yep. uh, he scored a double. Uh, outstanding he was last night. He now NRL Nation um, Player of the Year, Self-Wealth Player of the Year. He got two points. Oh, nice. uh, Anthony Milford, yep. three points. So... Um, yeah, it goes to 17 ahead of uh, one of the Jennings. As I always get them mixed up. What's not? I know it's not Michael, but um, Robert Jennings, I think, is the one that plays it for... It is Robert. Yeah, South, yeah. yeah so yeah. he's on 16 <laughs> tries. Val Holmes on 17. David Fusatour on 15, and he's yeah. playing on Sunday against the Gold Coast Titans. So a really good battle for the try scorers list. Um, Val Holmes, he turned 23 on Wednesday, so it's a, a fair birthday. Probably wouldn't rule out Josh Adokar either. He's on 14 and uh, the storm with a game to come, and we know he yeah. can score him in a hurry as well. So there you go. It was the Broncos 12, 
Defeating the Sharks 10 Thursday night footy. Really tight game, as we've mentioned, but a huge win for the Broncos and what has been a, a funny week with uh, a bit of conjecture over their coach, but also uh, not forgetting that they've been signing up some pretty talented youngsters as well. So a good week all up for the Broncos. Let's get into this. It's time for a great debate. The great debate for Kubota. Diesel generators for serious backup power. Yeah, we'll keep rolling with the Broncos. Uh, apologies if we're a little Brisbane heavy, but uh, it has been a huge talking point through the week. Again, the future of Wayne Bennett. But I want to ask you the question, Sats, for Kubota Diesel Generator, providing reliable, constant backup power you need when you need it most. This is from an outsider's perspective, naturally, but when we're talking about a possible replacement for Wayne Bennett, yep. the name that we discuss quite often, but you never seem to hear it from the Brisbane Broncos HQ itself, is the current coach of Queensland, Kevin Walters. We know he's got a distinguished career as a player at the club, has been at the club previously in assistant coaching roles. Yep. But when it comes to the big gig, to be the big tamale, silence. Is there, is there a reason for this? Yeah, but there's silence from the entire Brisbane Broncos board as well that's, and CEO. That's right. And it's exactly what you want. The Broncos have always been a closed shop. Wayne Bennett, over many years as a coach, would never really address the media. He was quite aloof with the media over a lot of years. And now there's a lot of... Me- media representatives that are lining up to try and take a shot at him now that he is a little bit more outspoken he in the is media. A bit, yeah, you're right. And I think that comes with just his age and getting to the end of what might be a footballing, a great footballing coaching career and yep. you maybe get a little bit insecure and you have to start to put contingency plans in place for whether you're still going to be coaching or whether you're not going to be coaching. Yep. So I can see that Wayne Bennett is a little bit insecure about his future, the older that he gets. Um, and we've got these new coaches that are coming through. There's a lot of data and new statistics that are being entered into rugby league, which rugby league really consume, where Wayne Bennett has always been about mm. don't miss a tackle, yeah. pass correctly, play at speed, play with aggression, and a lot of times you'll win the game if you've got the players. Yeah, the one one the basics, yeah. Exactly. Yep. So um, when we talk about Kevy Walters being a candidate, he may be a candidate. The thing about it is... We're getting too caught up in Wayne Bennett's progressive plan post-2019 where he has suggested that he would step aside, become the director of football. His mm. now assistant, Jason Demetrio, would become the head coach and life will be rosy for the Brisbane Broncos. You'd still have a reasonable amount of influence, wouldn't he, in that? In you that wouldn't role. want to be a coach with, with Wayne sitting over the top of no, you. No. If, you want, if you're a career coach, you're always a career coach, whether you want to yep. move into operations or whatever it may be. So, But the Brisbane Broncos board... <laughs> I don't think they're taking the progressive plan overly seriously. I think they're not throwing all their eggs in one basket. No, they're they're keeping their options yeah, yeah, open. Yeah. But they're just not talking about it publicly. No. They publicly said, Paul White, that he did catch up with Craig Bellamy. And the only question that he asked was, would it be worth pursuing further a discussion about you coaching the Broncos? That's as far as it got. Yeah. You know, money was discussed. Wayne Bennett went and signed with the Melbourne Storm. Uh, sorry, Craig Bellamy went and signed with the Melbourne Storm again. So what we're really getting caught up in is Wayne Bennett's progressive plan, which apparently didn't have Kevin Walters included as any form of coach at the Brisbane Broncos. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that's, a again, an insecurity thing, whether that's a personality clash, whether Kevy's someone that Wayne no longer has control over, we don't know. But what we do know is the Brisbane Broncos are a smart club. Yep. They have um, all their priorities in order, but they're just not making it public. And then just... To completely flip that on its head, there's another way to look at it. And now that Kevin has obviously been a couple of years as Queensland coach, 
does he want to coach the Broncos? I mean, that, that's going to be one of the pertinent questions. He might just Another be quite happy question, going yeah. through what he's going through at the moment. Kevin Walters wouldn't want to be involved at the Broncos if Wayne Bennett was no, that would, was yeah, a that would be the disclaimer. director of coaching. No, no yeah. okay. Kubota diesel generators, serious backup power. Quick break here on Off the Bench. Uh, when we return, we'll uh, find out who Sats is nominating for his Makita Power Player of the Week. Off the Bench for Kubota diesel generators and first choice liquor. The Makita Power Player for Makita's cordless power garden range. Yeah, the uh, power garden tools, by the way, are powering through the toughest of jobs, Makita, when power means business. We actually consulted uh, about this earlier today, Sats, and we came up with the same name. So yep. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're unanimous in our choice for our Makita Power Player, but tell us why you've nominated this particular individual who, dare I say oh. it, with the greatest of respect, is just one of the one of the soldiers at the Brisbane Broncos. Doesn't get a lot of the limelight, but week in, week out, just gets the job Again, done. Again, we apologise that there is a, uh, a Queensland flavour to this. There is, but, but it just happens We need like to that. highlight that... Uh, I'd love to be able to say the NRL referees last week were absolutely outstanding. As a group, they are Makita Power Players. No, we can't do That's that. not happening. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> so the Makita Power Player is a man, like you said, flies under the radar, is so important to the Brisbane Broncos, Alex Glenn. Yep. So against the Cronulla Sharks, he came up with a really important tackle, a much-needed tackle in the scheme of the game mm. on Val Holmes. It was a set move from Cronulla. Val Holmes come flying through the line about two or three metres out from the try line and Alex Glenn threw his body in, in front of Val Holmes. But unfortunately, Anthony Milford came from the other yeah, side. Yeah. Yep. His arm was caught in between. He looks like he's broken his wrist, uh, wrist hand. And he's in a lot of pain. They stopped the game f- for a period of time. Mm. And he looked like he was going to come off and walk over the back of the dead ball line. But he got his way back into the defensive line and continued playing with, with a suspected broken wrist. He can play with a broken hand. Yeah. Broken wrist is no. a completely different no, I scenario. Have that's, uh, he ended up succumbing to the injury and coming off yep. later on. But just the courage of the man to throw himself yeah. into the line and not let his teammates down and, and wait for a, a break in play that allows him, well, when they took all the heat out of the, the Sharks' attack, that he mm. could then make his way from the field. Um, great effort from Alex Glenn, a guy that has only just been re signed by the Broncos, is so important to Wayne Bennett. But it looks as though he may be heading down the M1 to the Gold Coast. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, the good news for Broncos fans off the back of that is he had the scans, he had the x-rays, and it came up all clear. So he, he won't miss uh, any significant football. There was fear that maybe a month on the sidelines. But just to stay out there, like you said, uh, there was a moment not long after the, the initial tackle that hurt him that uh, Luke Lewis was barging through and he's yep. got his body. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can't teach toughness like that. It's absolutely fantastic. So well done, Alex Glenn. Makita Cordless Power Garden Range. When power means business, you are our Makita Power Player of the Week. Time on Off the Bench for... The driver's seat preview for Kubota skid steers. Power at your fingertips. Yeah, that it is indeed. And last week for Kubota's BX Series, which is the all-rounder that's up for just about anything, Craig Lowndes, final appearance as a full-time driver at Queensland Raceway last week. And the speculation is mounting over who will be co-driving within the Enduros in 2019. Is it going to be Jamie Wincup or Shane Van Gisbergen? And, well, Lowndes, caught up with our producer, Nims, ahead of the round at QR and we came up with a way that the Triple Eight boss, Roland Dane, could choose who he drives with. For Kubota Construction Equipment, it delivers power and performance. Speak to your Kubota dealer. Let's take a listen. 
You talk about the Enduros, and because you do obviously have the history with Jamie at Bathurst, not taking anything away from, from Jamie at all, but SVG is an equally talented driver there too. I think pretty much the only way that RD is going to figure out who you're going to drive with is if maybe we get them up with those giant uh, cotton buds like they did on Gladiators and see who knocks the other one off to get you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I know who'd win that contest. Oh, depending on if it was a balance thing, I reckon Jamie would get the balance, but if it was just a sheer group power, I reckon Shane would just knock him off. So it could be a good, good, uh, it could be a good challenge. But uh, look, I'm, as I've said, I'm just excited to go on to the future. Um, you know, I wake up every morning now not regretting the decision. So that for me is, is, is you know, internally a, um, a, really a tick to say that it is the right time. And, you know, I don't regret it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't pushed. You know, I made the decision. I sat with Roland uh, about three weeks ago, a week before Townsville. And I said, you know, we talked about, you know, the future and what goes on and how it is. And mm-hmm. he asked me how I felt. And, uh, you know, and I said to him that, you know, I feel like that, you know, this, we're in a good position this year to make a decision to, to step down at the end of this year um, was the right time. And you know, I've told people that, you know, you go back 12 months. This time last year, people were yelling at me, you've got to retire, you're too yeah. slow, you can't qualify, you, you, know, you, you know, you're beyond it. Um, and now they're saying, well, you must have been pushed because obviously, you know, you're performing well. It's mm. like you can't win either way. But then the other thing, um, again, Lara made a mention that, uh, you know, I'm driving against kids that are 20 years old. Yeah. I've been in the sport for 22. So they're either just born or they weren't born yet. So the category is definitely going to get harder and tougher as years go on. It definitely won't get any easier. This week on the show, we're going to be chatting to Ryan Story, team principal of DJR Team Penske and see how the progress of the Mustang supercar is coming along for 2019. The boys will also catch up again with rookie uh, Jack LeBrock. It's at the halfway mark of the season to see his thoughts on the progress in his debut year in the main category. You can catch the guys this Sunday on the driver's seat for Kubota's mighty M71. It's got massive pulling power. We're back to wrap up off the bench with Sats Tips next. It's time for Scotty's Tips for Big Four Holiday Parks. Book your next great Australian break at bigfour.com.au. Talk about the retro round of rugby league. Yes. I love coming into our studio and always looking up at the big screen in our studio, Benny Jones, and seeing the music that you're always listening to. And for a young man... I'm a child of the 80s. For a young young man, you'd, I'd relatively think young. you'd be like Eminem. And no. No. Puff Diddy and all that sort of stuff. Give but give, give me the, the mid to late 80s and early 90s any day of the week. Yeah, and it, like, very retro. Throw me back to the 70s. I'm quite happy with that as well. <laughs> Book a great Aussie escape at bigfour.com.au. Some of Steve Winwood's finest there. Right? Great Aussie escapes. Uh, you can check out all the details online and uh, book your next holiday today. Let's get through round 20 and what's left of it to your sats. We'll start with the Seagulls and the Panthers. Jeez, you... Just hope the Panthers can find the whatever's missing at the moment. Uh, they're, they're sort of up and down, and four of their last five, they've lost the Seagulls. Oh, they were yuck last week. They were. Well, both sides were yeah, yuck. They were. I anticipated that with the Seagulls last week. I just, you know, they're holding on for grim life. Gets hard now. They are. The last you know, five they, weeks, they've got so nothing to play for. Well, and they, their playing group has been decimated yep. because of the salary cap and also injury to key players. So, you know, Api Corusau and Young Croker, the 5'8". Mm. So, they're doing their best, and... When you're doing your best and just holding on, you'll come up against a force that'll just blow you over, and that's what the Roosters did last week. Panthers were disgusting against the Brisbane Broncos. Yeah. Uh, so much to play for in regards to a top four position. Now find themselves in seventh. Yeah. So out of this one, I I just think the Panthers have too many players and players returning from injury as opposed to the Eagles. 
Rabbits Eels. Uh, Eels Rabbits. winnies last week. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, at the moment, they're a winning streak, the Eels. They're one in a row. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to take the Rabbits. Yeah. Storm Raiders. Raiders have trouble beating sides in the top I eight. can't believe the Storm are leading the comp. I mean, we should be no, always expecting that. But this year, yeah. this year, I suppose, most notably compared to others, is that... Is that um, well, no one's talking about it. No. No, no, one, no one's mentioned really how they're going about their business. Obviously, we know that... We shouldn't be surprised, but no, we are we for some reason. Yeah. So, Storm for you in that one? Yeah, Storm. Yeah. Uh, and on Sunday, Titans and the Warriors, a dangerous game for the Warriors. It is, because this Titans side, they're, they're so courageous, but they're just lacking that polish. I think they're capable, though, of just that one out of the box where they'll just put You're it all right. together for 80 minutes. One thing I do question, but is whether the Warriors... Uh, the Titans forward pack can handle the Warriors yeah. forward pack. Just so big and physical and mobile and whether they can withstand those waves. So I'm going to say the Warriors. For the most part, being pretty good on the road, yep. uh, have the Warriors. And finally, this is arguably the game of the weekend. The Roosters and the Dragons to see us out for round 20. I'm going to take the Dragons. Um, okay. The Roosters winning by 50-odd last week sometimes can put you in a false sense of security. The Dragons, I, I think they need this game to pull them out of a slumber, a slumber mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. comes on the back of any side that has a lot of players playing their first Origin series where they just feel a little bit flat and fatigued. Not the week after Origin, but it's usually sort of week two, yeah. three, and four after Origin where your players start feeling start feeling the pinch. But I think this is the game that can really awaken them, the All Dragons. Right. Uh, big Four book now, bigfour.com.au. Another big show. It's been a, another great edition of Off the Bench. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Sats, you have yourself a great weekend. I'll catch you same time next week. See ya. And we're powered by Kubota. Thanks to First Choice Liquor as well for all your liquor needs. Have a wonderful weekend. Hope your side has a win, and we'll speak to you again soon. Off the Bench for Kubota Diesel Generators and First Choice Liquor.